1: Hello and welcome to The Parenthood podcast. Today I'm welcoming back one of our previous guests, someone I'm very proud to have on the podcast, my very own husband, Ben Fogel. Last time he was a guest on The Parenthood, he was preparing for the adventure of his lifetime, an attempt to climb Everest well now he's back triumphant and has written a book about his adventure and I thought it would be quite interesting to reflect on his experiences so Ben thanks for coming on the parenthood <laughs> it's the end of the day we've both had quite a full-on day and I think this is probably the last thing you want to do but it's going to be really fun I promise <laughs> <laughs>
2: does that sound like nervous laughter again yeah
1: exactly well I'm taking from the fact that you're keen to return is that you enjoyed your experience last time on well, the have, have you
2: had any other guests back uh, for a no, second round you're the first, well, there you go. You're the first. making parenthood history.
1: So last time we recorded in March, you were preparing for this big mission. You're now back having sat on the roof of the world. Do you think you're a changed person?
2: I think I am. I think it's probably uh, easier for you to um, give your opinion. But from my experience and, and how I feel now, I feel a sense of calmness that I didn't think I would necessarily feel. Um, and
1: the sense of not having to disappear off quite so soon again. Well, no, <laughs> well, that, that
2: that happens with with other work commitments, um, as as you know. But th- there's a sense of completion, a sense of, of fulfilment that um, I, I, I hoped I would feel, but I didn't. I didn't think I would have such a sense of of calm. It's the analogy I keep using as like I've been in a in a tornado, in a in a in a, a, a whirlwind and I've been spat out and it's not that I'm dazed and confused I'm actually just very calm I have this calm inner peace which and do
1: you think you're more confident because I think what will probably come as a surprise to to our listeners is that even though you have this amazing career and this amazing following and what nearly 20 years in tv is it 20 years Mm -hmm. I mean an amazing career you always sort of think should I should I really be there? You, you, you have had this insecurity, which always sort of baffled me. Do you think you feel you belong and you deserve a bit more now that you've climbed Everest? I
2: think the 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 term that some people use is imposter syndrome, and it's this idea that one day someone's going to knock at the door and go, "Oh, we gave you the wrong life. Sorry, you're you're supposed to be down the road. Um, you're, you're not supposed to have got this one." And it's this sort of. I think the best way to describe it is like this inferiority. It's I've always felt that other people are um, superior to me, and it's not it's not about a, a haughty superiorness of arrogance where they go around making me feel that way. It's it's an internal thing that I've I've always had, and thank goodness I've I've embarked on the career that I have because it's allowed me the chance to um, build my confidence. I think if I if 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 I hadn't been given the opportunities or seized the opportunities I have, I I fear I would be a, a, a very meek, uh, very mild mannered, very shy individual, probably hiding away in some remote corner of the British Isles with a smelly dog. That's that's how I imagine things would probably have turned out. I'd be very happy with it, but there would there would certainly be no public persona because I, I I would I simply would never have had the confidence, and I think. I think reaching the summit of Everest um, has finally laid to rest a lot of those um, feelings of um, lack of self-esteem.
1: So the book is out tomorrow. We're recording the day before publication. It's something that we've actually co-written or at least I've contributed to. Got to say it's really good. I mean, your family have sort of all read it and your father texted me the other day saying it's the best thing he's written and, you know, don't want to pick it up too much, but it is really good. And I think one of the poignant points for me is the narrative of Willem our son who was still born in, in 2014 and how you felt his presence on the mountain really profoundly I think we both believe the experience of losing Willem of being so close to very much loss and sadness much more loss and sadness because I was so sick has taught us to celebrate every day because you never know which will be your last do you think if Willem hadn't died you would have climbed Everest you would have had the confidence to sort of seize that moment and think I'm gonna do this
2: I I think that that experience was the catalyst to um, uh, to to make me follow my dreams I I kind of made a I I made a commitment to myself I think we made a commitment to to live our lives even more brightly not that it it wasn't shining bright uh, as it was but to 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 not sound too cliche, but to seize the day, seize the moment, to, to 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 be more positive about things, to smile rather than frown. And I think especially in the last year, the, the the world has become a very downward-looking, pessimistic place. Um it's it it it's so polarized now. It's it's yes or no, in or out, black or white, there's no in-between, there's no middling. And I think that our experience with losing Willem uh, taught me in the long term, although actually the, the, the short term um, impact was actually a, lo- a loss of confidence and, and, and actually kind of feeling very vulnerable. But, but the, the long term um, uh, impact for me was to make me confront those fears and make me Give me a voice and to not listen to all that background noise. It's very easy in this uh, Modern day of social media of 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 constantly being hooked online And being bombarded with information most of which is needless you open up a newspaper um count how many stories are positive how many stories are negative um, and it's quite shocking really and and I think for me everest felt like an amazing opportunity to do something really inspiring and yes maybe that's partly me trying to justify a, a selfish act to go up a mountain and leave you and the children behind but I felt I, I felt it was something I needed to try and, and I wanted our children to see their daddy doing something and and to feel a sense of pride not in the things that I'd done in the past before they were born but in 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 what I do during their life and I hope that this extraordinary kind of couple of months that we've all had together and you've had your own incredible experiences and I think your writing uh, brings so much to the book. I think it it, it it gives such an important narrative that so many travel and adventure books don't have. But I'd like to think that we will all look back on this in years to come and the children at their wedding days will say, I remember those crazy few months when daddy went up Everest and, and, and I, I hope it, will be a kind of a celebration. It's not just about me, it's about you. And it was about the phone calls and calling into the school. The, the, the whole thing for me felt like a kind of a carnival atmosphere. And it, it was far from that. There were many dangers, as as you know. And uh, I, I, I was fearful on many occasions. But the overall experience feels like we've had um, uh, a, a life-changing experience together.
1: Did Was it harder than you thought it was going to be?
2: Um, it, harder in different ways. So it wasn't as physically challenging as I thought. Um, it, it, it it took it out of me. I lost a, a huge amount of, of muscle mass. You'll know my fixation with my thighs that I have a love-hate relationship with because they don't fit in any trousers. Yeah, ben but, thinks his
1: thighs are too big.
2: But the, they pack a lot of muscle, those thighs. They've got me through a lot of events. And actually, I, I rely on them and my rather big uh, bottom to, uh, to to get me through endurance events. And what happened on Everest is it all disappeared within about Two weeks of because being you'd up at altitude. Because you would lost the weight, do you think? No, I think it's up at altitude. I think a mixture of being at altitude, you have a, a constant nausea, but all that muscle went. So it meant my legs turned into matchsticks, um, may- maybe aesthetically more pleasing and great for uh, fitting into my trousers again, but hopeless on Everest. Uh, so actually physically I, I struggled with my legs a lot more than I thought I would because there was simple, simply no muscle. I mean, to put that into context, I lost about eight or nine kilos of pure muscle in my legs. It's taken me months to build them back up, um, but it wasn't so much the physical challenge I think it was more the, the the mental battles the battles to silence the the inner voice of doubt that in inner voice that's dogged me since I was a little boy saying you're not worthy worthy you're gonna fail why do you think that you should um, uh, be so uh, lucky as to get to the summit when hundreds of others have died before you I, it, it, the voice was very loud much louder than I've ever heard before and I think the the battle for me and what really was hard was the constant daily, um, attempt to silence that voice and to smile and, and to try and be very positive. Shortly before I, I went away, I spent some time in Norway with a a Norwegian explorer who'd climbed Everest. and, And her advice to me was even when you're having the worst day, even when you are so fearful for your life, even when you are so hungry and dehydrated, and you feel worse than you've ever felt in your life, smile. Force the smile on your face, but it will lift the whole experience. And it it, it was incredibly pertinent and useful advice. And well, it was for hard. life too, actually. But for for life, and and you know, I've, I've I've got this new obsession. Well, the book is called Up, as you know, because I co wrote it. <laughs> uh, and Thanks for I've got a copy in front of. Well, you know, I just I sometimes have to remind you, um, but I. I think I'd like to think the book is um, an ode to positivity, an ode to inspiration. So it's much more than just a mountaineering book. I hope I, I think you will agree with that. As yeah, well. absolutely. And I, and I think it's why we we've had some really good positive feedback from it because the the uh, the obvious thing would have just been to write a terrifying book about climbing a mountain with near death experiences. But I wanted it to be more nuanced than that a little bit more sophisticated than that and I kind of wanted it to be a a manual more than just another travelogue and I'd like to think that's exactly what it is it's a manual of how to approach life how to how to confront your fears how to how to see light in darkness and I, I Often on the mountain, there were very... This is metaphorical, by the way. There were very dark clouds all around. And those dark clouds up there are, uh, 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 basically signify death. That's, did, you, that's, did you
1: ever think, I, I shouldn't be here? I've made a big mistake. I, sh- I shouldn't have done
2: this. Many times. But I don't... In, in, but in retrospect now, sitting here in our kitchen, I, I have no regrets. But then it had a happy ending. And maybe that's the reason why I can be so calm and complacent. And and it it could have turned out very differently. But despite those moments of, of feeling I probably shouldn't have done it, I still have no regrets, I think. I think the positives that I've learned, the lessons in life, how humbled I feel, how lucky I feel, how I think it's made me a better person and uh, and by being a better person, hopefully that makes me a better husband and that makes me a better father and we're all winners. Uh, that That's what I'd like to think has come from it.
1: It's a bit like, it's not a book on how to climb Everest, it's a book on how to climb your Everest, whatever that might be and that might be you know, for someone going outside or doing a 5k run or going to school when you're terrified.
2: Yeah, it doesn't even have to be physical. It's about confronting whatever your fear is. We we all have a metaphorical Everest. And I think so many people are very literal about that. And they assume it it means something um, to do with physicality, but it's not. It's it's as much a, a, a mental attitude. And it's you know it's pertinent. It's it, there's a lot being mentioned about mental health, um, mental health awareness. The, the, the number of young men in their twenties or thirties who are committing suicide because they simply can't cope with modern pressures is is reaching epidemic proportions. And 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 I've thought long and hard about how this is happening, why this is happening. Um, it, it was very well documented when we came back that Victoria Pendleton, who I went with came back and and was diagnosed with clinical depression now I, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn she she has spoken openly about this and I'm very proud of her doing that and the reasons are complicated but they were certainly enhanced by disappointment they were enhanced by um, lack of oxygen coming up coming back um, uh, with a chest infection all of these things colluded to to bring a darkness and if I think back to those few months when I came back, I think you'll probably agree I wasn't entirely myself. I don't think, I, I would never describe it as depression, but it felt like a slight cloud hanging over me. And and I think it's a, I, I've tried to work out what it was, whether it was um, uh, a, a kind of a readjustment back to normality from the intensity of the the, the months we spent there in in a, in a pretty inhospitable hostile environment. Um, some people talk of PTSD. People talk of post-expedition blues. There are many terms that are used, but I think it was just that I'd starve my brain. I think it was literally I just needed to I needed to kickstart my brain again. And actually, this book. I found very cathartic to write. I, I, I felt it was something I'd wanted to write for a long time. I, th- I and, and I think you'll agree, I am completely me now. There's nothing, there's, I, I'm exactly as I was beforehand, but I'm just a little bit calmer. And, and the thighs confident. are back. And the thighs are back, yeah, it's annoying because <laughs> I can't fit in any trousers. It's the secret as to why I always wear shorts. <laughs> Everyone wonders why I wear short, shorts even in the winter. It's because they're the only things that will actually fit on my legs. Mm.
0: Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365 day returns.
1: So one of the chapters in the book is called Risk. It talks about how you quantify risk and how much of it you allow into your life, but also how you convey it to your children. I think we're both on the same page when it comes to risk. We talk honestly to our children about risk and, and how you benefit from allowing risk into your life. Did you always think you were going to allow risk into your life, and did at any point did you did you think you'd sort of it was a risk too far that you felt that this was too great a risk and you'd actually put us and our relationship and family dynamic in jeopardy?
2: I think I mean risk has always been something very close to what I do. A lot of the challenges I've done over the years have have confronted risk in various shapes and forms. And I think as a parent, um, I've become aware of of the slight hysteria that surrounds anything deemed to be risky. Now, whether it's w- what's often referred to as health and safety, uh, obsessions banning conkers in playgrounds, wearing high-vis jackets to walk down the street, there are any number of, of things we could use as an example. But it's actually... It's, it's a bit more complicated than that what, what i i like this idea that we take our own responsibility for risk rather than delegating out to the school uh to um the park that you're walking into the 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 cliff that you're walking along rather than um uh, uh, assuming others responsibility so they need to put up fences and there's signposts everywhere and there are there are Signs saying "Keep back, be careful of cars driving down the street." I, I think it's in in many ways. I I want my my children, our children, to take their own personal responsibility and an educated, um, uh, uh, an educated decision when they're confronted with a situation, whatever that is. And I think Everest for me was an extreme version of <laughs> demonstrating to the children. That it is a dangerous mountain, and people have died on this mountain. But if you show respect, you show you're you're careful, you you surround yourself with a, a good team, um, you, uh, you you plan, you prepare, that actually you can confront those risks and you can come out on top, and and all the richer for it. So I think that the, the, the my attitude to risk obviously kind of waxes and wanes if, if the children tomorrow say can we uh, go and climb everest as well i i i will kind of uh, <laughs> that that's when i'll have to confront my <laughs> own parental fears of my children embracing kind of life-threatening conditions but i'd feel i'd have to let them go not not this age obviously that would be ridiculous but uh, when they're older I'd, I'd i'd love the idea that that one day they will take on their own
1: because this was hard for your mother This Mm. was really hard. And you're a 40-whatever father of two. I mean, weirdly, I think I would be more worried if Ludo or Iona were climbing Everest than if you were. But that's also because I trust you, I guess. And I trust that you will take... You are quite a cautious, well-prepared person. You're not reckless. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how not reckless our children are. But I'm dreading that. I'm dreading that announcement when they go, Daddy did it. Why can't I? Mm Mm-hmm. And they're eighteen, and
2: they're like. But I've I've always felt that we as parents have to practice what we preach, and we can't. It's it's like everything in life. If if uh, if they see us on our phones the whole time, if they see us on tablets, uh, of course they're going to want to do that. So if they're, they're, it, it, it's this secret to being a parent. If you want your kids to eat apples, eat apples yourself. If you want them to, you know, if you don't want them to drink fizzy drinks, don't drink fizzy drinks in front of them. Children will want to do what your parents do. Now, um, I know with jobs, it can go the complete opposite. And there are many sportsmen and women out there who have kids whose children become allergic to that sport. Can you imagine the pressure of, of someone who is the son or daughter of a great Olympian and the expectations that they will become uh, the greatest rower or the greatest rugby player? And, and I, I worry a little bit, about R2 growing up in my shadow. Um, and when I say that, that makes... It, I, I'm uh, ascending myself to lofty heights of uh, of, of um, my persona as an adventurer. But it was very public, Climbing Everest. You know, we've written this book, made a documentary, so people know about it. And I'm aware, as they get a bit older, the pressure of having a, a daddy who does some of these things will pay its own toll on them the expectations of their friends um that that they will be able to do the same thing uh, I, I i'm i'm aware of as they grow up and that's something that we will have to kind of face as parents as that happens
1: we just have to celebrate them for who they are practice what i preach for a change so I think for me one of the biggest risks that I felt you faced was was failure it was the prospect of having to make what would be a very brave decision that you couldn't climb the mountain that it had defeated you and that you'd return home to millions who were aware of you know your climb and what your ambition was did that scare you the failure the prospect of failure
2: I think it I think it did um because I've I've done a few challenges over the years and and I've got I've been very lucky I've had quite a high success rate against the odds you haven't had
1: a a big failure
2: well I don't think I did in earlier life but in in recent times with my adventures touch wood um, I've been incredibly lucky When, when I think back to the rowing across the Atlantic I have no idea how James and I got to the other side I have no idea how we hit that end point i have to put no... it into
1: perspective listeners i mean they were the most disorganized two in the race they had knew not didn't know how their boat worked they didn't know how their equipment worked they didn't know how their radio worked they didn't know where their life raft was i mean it was we, actually quite frightening
2: we, we could hardly navigate our, our navigation was a simple compass and when you're going three and a half thousand miles just following a, a rudimentary compass bearing I, I have no idea how we hit a tiny little island. Uh, Antigua was our, our finishing point, and if you missed the island, the, the, there was a one-kilometer line that we had to cross. And and when you in, think, in the context of three thousand oh, miles, I mean, it's, it, I, it's it, it is a needle in a haystack. Now, if you're a, 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 a if you're uh, a sailor and you, you're good with your navigation, easy. But we were not. And I have no idea how we how we completed that. But it it goes on the same with Antarctica. I have no idea. You know, we we, we were pretty ill prepared for those conditions. I I have no idea how we were able to to get through that one. So I have had a high success rate. and, And Everest was definitely pushing the boundaries of success. I gave myself a 50 50 chance. That's that's what it was. But
1: and that's not you just saying it that you know saying 50 50 chance so that if you did have to come home with your tail between your legs you would have said well
2: no i kind of i actually forced myself i i, I internally i felt it was a 50 50 externally i i was forced by other people to be honest to try and be more positive that it would be a higher success than that by the way the 50 50 is not de- dead or alive no, uh, no. it's merely success <laughs> or failure. Um, and and I tried to put a brave face on it, and and uh, and tried to have this positive attitude. Because there's no doubt if you if you surround yourself in negative thoughts, it it drags you down. I, I've I've learnt that um, uh, over the years. Uh, I, I think many of your listeners will will will, will agree with that. And uh, so I had to go with a positive attitude. And you'll probably you'll probably remember as as the date for departure neared I became even more positive about it I be- I, and and it was amazing the the power of that that positivity to to kind of bring up my own mental attitude um, but that fear of failure loomed large I'd made a commitment to you and the children that I wouldn't be overcome or overwhelmed with with a, a, a sort of summit fever this this idea of of success over or completion of, of of what we were doing over all else, over personal safety, it's well documented. Many people have have um, continued against their better judgment because they were so obsessed with this idea of standing on summit. this little point um, uh, uh, on the summit of Everest. Um, uh, and and I do believe I would have if if the moment had really come. And you, you know that we, we we were dogged by many problems along the way exploding oxygen cylinders but if push had come to shove if it really had become terrible in fact there was a a scenario in camp four which is at eight thousand meters when we thought some other climbers had died and i had made a promise to myself that if there was any death around me out of respect out of humanity i wouldn't continue it was inappropriate um and and that was the moment when i that was the closest that i remember to that i came to pulling out to to actually physically stopping because I thought it was completely inappropriate. As it happened it was slightly false information at the time and uh, and we were able to to carry on.
1: But I think failure is a really important lesson that we tell our children, you know, to be able to fail in life and see that as a positive, see that as a as a learning experience. I think I wonder whether almost if you hadn't got to the top, it would have been a, a richer learning experience. It would have been harder. You mm-hmm. would have challenged you and tested you more. But in terms of a lesson, you know, not only to give everything you've got and to use all that confidence and positivity, but then also have, you know, the the presence of mind and the wisdom to go, this is too much. This well, is too big a risk to take. I'm not going to take that and I'm going to turn around.
2: Uh, well, two two favorite qu- quotes. Uh, one is success is stumbling from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm, and the other is that if you haven't failed, you haven't been trying hard enough. And and I think that's much more pertinent that one to to the Everest climb because I I really put in a huge effort. the the, the fear the the risk of failure there was very very high, and I couldn't really have I couldn't have tried harder. And I do, I think, listen, failure will loom large again in my life. It will happen. I know it will happen. I've, I've tried to avoid it as as much as I can since so much failure dogged my, my childhood. But I think you're right. I think, I think we'd be having a very different chat now um, had I failed.
1: Do um, you think you'd be a different person? I mean, do you think, I was scared that if you came back... And you hadn't got to the top, and Aunt Middleton, who was the other sort of TV personality with a TV crew there, had got to the top. Do you think that would have made you quite depressed? Because I remember worrying a lot about that, actually, when you were up there, thinking, okay, it's one thing if he gets the top. But if he doesn't get to the top, and then he is miserable, I'm not sure I can cope with this.
2: Mm. I don't know, if I'm to be honest. I, 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 I would like to be able to sit here and go, oh, no, I'd have just got on with, with stuff, but... I think Everest meant too much to me. I put too much effort in. It was too much of a dream. It was too much of an ambition.
1: And it's public too. You know, so many people knew about it.
2: I don't think that. I. Funny enough, that that wouldn't. You you worried more about that. In in my mind, it's that's no different to taking part in Strictly Come Dancing and being voted out in the first week. Um, we don't all succeed at, at what we do. Now, if you're voted off a a dance competition uh, it's obviously different to not succeeding in a, in, a, in a physical and mental challenge to climb the highest mountain on earth but let's be honest the, the attrition rate, the number of people that fail on Everest is very very high, there's a lot of people that don't make it for many many different reasons and I thought when Victoria fell sick with altitude sickness and made the decision herself to, um, to abandon her climb um, I thought that was an incredibly brave decision. I think it was a braver decision than me carrying on. I think I, I think, in the long term, I think she stands to potentially benefit more than I have because although I, I've had this life-changing, incredibly enhancing, enriching experience, it's merely consolidating some other incredible things that I've been lucky enough to do. Whereas Victoria this incredible sportswoman who has already proven herself on the world stage she's got two gold medals you you can't get she's the best in the world olympic
1: gold medals uh, uh,
2: olympic gold medals she she has already proved herself she she kind of didn't have to in my mind she didn't it means nothing that that she had to turn back except that she had the strength of character to listen to her body and listen to the advice of doctors around her and and she went up in my esteem and and I think I think I think the long term will actually have more positives than it will negatives
1: yeah i I would really want my our children to to be able to know failure and not be afraid of failure I mean I know that Education is amazing now, and they come back from school talking about marvelous mistakes and how they celebrate mistakes. Because unless you're happy to make mistakes and confident enough to make mistakes, you're not trying hard enough. But, but this, that is but this tough. idea,
2: but this idea, you know, that a lot of schools have not not necessarily our children's school, but we, we hear of schools where there's competitions and everyone's a winner, and there's sport. You know, they play football matches, and, and it's, it's everyone, gets every, everyone gets a medal, and, and everyone gets to score a goal that 's a little bit nonsense, I agree. Mm. I think I think children have to toughen up to the realities of life. There will be successes and failures
1: and someone 's got to win, but it 's got to be one person, not two people or a whole class, yeah, however much effort you put in
2: yeah i agree and and Everest is a metaphor for that because there 's a lot of climbers up there, a lot of brilliant climbers, a lot of climbers who 've spent far longer than me I, you know if anything there 's a slight guilt that that I lucked out because there was there was luck there. I had good weather for the period that I was. Um, well, you on also the had summit. bad weather. Yeah, it's, it's it's give and take, though, isn't it? I I, I also um, I'm aware that um, there there was an element of luck there as well.
1: So the book is about far more than a story about a climbing expedition on the world's tallest mountain. Its title is Up, My Life's Journey to the Top of Everest. It's more about the boy who was hopeless at sport, useless at school. Sorry, I'm not dissing you, Ben, but it's true. Um, Who the system told wouldn't be a success in life, but how you turned that around and are one of the most admired men in Britain. I think that's a really, really important message. I think we see with our children that the academic system is quite narrow-minded in its outlook. And those who don't fit the mould of school often feel like they've failed, kind of before they've even started. But when you look at the most successful or some of the most successful people in life the ones who have not been afraid to take risks to disrupt the status quo they were often the children that didn't quite fit into school and I think that's a really powerful message I mean seeing children at seven or eight and they're suddenly aware of this world and the judgment and the expectation that this is what's celebrated and this is what isn't I think your message is an incredibly powerful one
2: I but- can I I, I- Thank you. You're, lots of flattery there, Marina. But then you're my <laughs> wife, so I suppose it, it has to be there. But it it, it is. You you know you only need to look at people like Richard Branson. You know, heavily dyslexic. You know, not not not, not very academic. Look, look at what he's achieved. And I think that there are many people. A, a great friend of mine, the late um, A. A. Gill, heavily dyslexic. I think one of the most genius writers there was out there. Um, and. it it irks me still that the education of my children is still in 2018 being dominated by exams by this idea that if you can retain that information and you can get a good grade that that will decide whether you are going to make a success of your life or not i know there's 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 coursework added to that and things but ultimately it's down to whether you can retain information now th- th- there are there are lots of very vocal people out there that will will say well yes life is about retaining information if you're a doctor you have to retain all that information I get that so if you've got a vocation and you're a vet or you're an engineer or you're a scientist absolutely there are certain people that are, 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 are genetically biologically better made to retain that information but there are many 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 children out there like me and uh, and and we we aren't good at exams and and it was only my dogged determination to not let those failed exam grades um, uh, represent me for life and to define me that that made me break free from those those manacles
1: I think it is so important. I remember being pretty useless at school in terms of like being very uncool, being useless at sport, being not very academic and just feeling like I had no hope and there sort of wasn't much point in trying. And I think when I look back on it, it just took me a much longer time to mature. And the more I understand of life and the more I understand of people, I realize how different we are and how wrong it is that you have a system which it seems to be like a one size fits all. Do you achieve this at this age? Well, if not, uh-uh. And I think that's the wrong message. And it's difficult. I know, I understand and appreciate that it's difficult for the academic system to adjust. But I think... Because of that, it's really important for parents to keep on reminding children that if they feel like they're failing, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And if they feel that they are constantly failing and constantly the bottom of the year and constantly not the ones winning the prizes and being celebrated, that that's okay. Their time will come. And just because school in 2018 doesn't deem you a success it doesn't mean that that's what life is going to deem you.
2: Hey, did did you turn the children's light out? (laughs) (laughs) they're still still reading. reading I think they're still reading
1: they are well listen um it's been great to have you here before I let you go um you wrote an amazing letter to Ludo and Iona at the beginning of the book and I'd love for you to read it out on the podcast um I don't have the book here quickly run and get it aha here it is here it is um this is something that I hadn't read actually before I read the book and uh I think it's something that is very special. So take it away, Ben.
2: Dear Ludo and Iona, Life is about the journey, not the destination. Live it brightly, live it brilliantly, and live it wisely. Don't waste it, not one single day. Add life to your days, not days to your life. Dream, dare, do. Live for the now, not the then, Be spontaneous, smile, go with your heart. Instinct is often right. Take criticism on the chin and use it usefully. Life is there to complete, not to compete. Although it will sometimes feel like a competition, don't get swept up by it. It's not a race. Be magnanimous in victory and graceful in defeat. Be humble and try not to grumble confide don't divide reach don't preach be caring and considerate be principled but open-minded enough to be pragmatic try and be the shepherd not the sheep remember you aren't just a face in the crowd you are unique despite a planet of seven billion there's no one else like you Your personality will be shaped and moulded by the company you keep and the experiences you have. Be comfortable with who you are. Don't try and be what others want or expect you to be. Listen, be curious and learn. Wealth is all about how you interpret it. Money will not buy you happiness nor love. Experiences will make you richer. Travel will broaden your mind. People will judge you, but don't let that judgment define you. Don't let failure defeat you. Insecurity will creep up on you throughout life. Try not to listen to it. Be confident, never arrogant. Give, share. People will be outrageous and provocative. Try not to be outraged or provoked. Don't live life through a screen, live it for bikes and hikes, not likes and swipes. Routine is far more dangerous than risk. Some days you'll feel a little down. The highs and lows are human nature. Your life should be filled with light and shade. It's these ups and downs that remind us what's important in life. Fortune really does favour the brave. Be brave. Take risks. Live your life. Smile. Oh, and don't forget to look up. Love, Daddy.
1: it's great it's great have you actually read it to the children i haven't yet no No, maybe this half term that's what you have to do yeah ben thanks so much for coming to join us it's been really fun (laughs) i couldn't really not because i'm in your kitchen and i'm waiting for dinner again Again. Up! My Journey's Life to the Top of Everest, uh, which is incidentally co-written by me, is available from all good bookshops now. We've actually had a few of our friends' children read it, seven-year-olds, and they've loved it. Do follow Ben on Instagram. He's at ben Fogel. You can also follow me now. I'm at marina.fogel. But in the meantime, thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. It really helps people find us, and the more listeners we get, the more episodes we can record. Thanks for listening.